Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. We're going to continue this morning. I've shortened the message a little bit today, uh, but we want to continue along this journey of understanding honour and how important it is. And um, we began the journey three weeks ago and we looked at a scripture, um, Luke chapter 6, verse 5, and it says this, and I still struggle in getting my head around how enormous and how massive this principle is in here but it says in Luke chapter 6 verse 5 it says now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them listen to that Jesus Christ the son of the living God could not perform any miracles except to heal a few people and we discovered as we dug into Luke chapter 6 the reason that he couldn't perform any miracles is the people that he was standing before lacked honor They had no honor in their heart towards him. They dishonored him. And as a result of that, Jesus' power, Jesus' power to perform miracles, Jesus' power to bring um, life to the dead, to raise the dead, to bring sight to the blind, to open up deaf ears, his miracle-working power was totally limited because of people's lack of honor. Astounding thought. I still look at that and go, how important is honor? How important it is is that we as people cultivate an attitude of honor. And I just thought about it. You know, we could put our own names here. But just imagine that Jesus came to the cook's home and he could do no mighty thing because they lacked honor. You could put your name in there as well. But hopefully it wouldn't be that they lacked honor. Hopefully it would be that we honored him. And you know, we said in the last couple of weeks talking about this topic of honor, um, in, a, in a book uh, by, uh, by Danny Silk called The Culture of Honor. He writes this, that the culture of the kingdom is honor and a culture of honor is the culture of the supernatural. Think about it in Luke, uh, excuse me, think about it in Luke chapter six. He was not able to do any great thing because they lacked honor. But then again, I wanna highlight as we think about Jesus, no honor, no power to perform miracles. But then we read in Matthew chapter eight, it says this, listen to how the centurion spoke to Jesus. These are the words that that come out of his mouth. He said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. We looked at the first verse of scripture there. They were offended at Jesus. They dishonored him. And because of that, his power to perform miracles was totally null and void. But then in Matthew chapter 8, we see the centurion sees Jesus, and the first thing that flows out of his heart is honor. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Honor flowed from the centurion's heart, and as a result, he received what it was that he was looking for. Amen? I wrote this this morning, no honor, no supernatural works. No honor, and no God's supernatural works. You see that this morning? No honor no supernatural works, no honor, and no God's supernatural works. Last week, Jesus introduced us to a concept that I believe that is so important for us as followers of Jesus to understand. And he talks about this thought in John chapter 13. It's a very, very powerful principle. It flows in with honor. And he says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives, whomever I send, receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. I love that thought there because Jesus introduces the concept of delegated authority. Everyone say it with me, delegated authority. 
You see, we've got to get and understand honor if we want to see more of the supernatural in our families, in our homes, in our church. We've got to understand the power of honor, but we also understand the structure and the way in which God moves through delegated authority. Amen. We've got to understand that because I believe it's such a powerful principle to receiving more of God's anointing and power in and through our lives. So Jesus uh, introduces us to that. Those that Jesus sends, the fivefold ministry, the apostle, pastor, evangelist, prophet, and teacher, the fivefold ministry, he sends them to us. And then he says that if we receive them, what we're really doing is we're receiving Jesus. And if we're receiving Jesus, we're receiving the Father in heaven as well. A clear line of delegated authority. You see it this morning. Amen. We receive the ones that he sends us, but we're not just in turn receiving them, we're receiving Jesus, and in turn we're receiving the Father as well. But you know, for many people, this concept is something we just don't get because we often come to the Word of God with a democratic mindset. Yeah, we do. We absolutely do. We all get to vote on which parts of Scripture we adhere to. We do. We come to the Word of God with a democratic mindset. But God's kingdom is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. Hallelujah. People, you're not going to like this message. I think it might offend or challenge some people, but it's the word of God this morning. We don't, we don't serve in a democracy. There is order. There is command. There is authority in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. For many people, as I said, we struggle with this because we have a democratic mindset. We can also come to the Word of God with an individualistic mindset. This is the prevailing mindset in the culture. Me, mine, and I, if I don't agree with it, then I'm not going to line up with it. Hallelujah. It's the Word of God, though. It's God's Word speaking to us. But, you know, when it comes to, 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 to thinking about, you know, our democratic mindset and our individualistic mindset, we forget what Jesus prayed and he stated because we serve in a kingdom. He says in Matthew chapter 6, his prayer was, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Listen to it there, your what come? Your kingdom come. Then in Matthew chapter 24 verse 14, it says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, then the end will come. And listen to what he says there. And this gospel of the kingdom, hallelujah. You and I are a part of a kingdom. Aren't you glad about that this morning? We define the word kingdom. It says the spiritual reign or authority of God. The truth is that we've been saved into God's kingdom and God, God's ways are always far higher than our ways. We're going to touch a couple of things this morning about authority. And, you know, we can look at authority with the, with the human mindset and, and with the democratic mindset, but I believe that we've got to come to understanding the Word of God from a kingdom mindset. Amen? A kingdom, totally different mindset. But listen to what it says there about God's ways and His ways being different to ours. Isaiah 55 through 8 to 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God looks at things totally differently to the way that we do. God has set his kingdom up in a way that is different to anything else. Amen. We're a part of a kingdom. And last week we illustrated that honor, to honor God, 
means receiving the authorities that he has placed in our lives and that as the flow of honor goes up, the blessing of God flows down, honor being the conduit. Amen. We're called to honor one another. We're called to honor each other. And as we honor each other, we're not actually just honoring one another, we're honoring Jesus Christ. And as we honor Jesus, we're honoring the Father in heaven as well, that delegated line of authority. But this morning, I want to share a scripture with you, and I don't think you'll like this one. All the word is, word is good, but this is such a challenging scripture, and it talks about authority and what we're meant to do. This scripture here uh, that we find this morning in Romans, it's a good book, the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. Now, this is the word of God. All right, you ready? This is the word of God. Listen to what it says. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Listen, look at the authority. Look at the delegated lines there. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Look at the first part there. Notice that it's not a suggestion. Can you notice that there? Is that just annoying you a little bit this morning? Come on, it, it annoyed me when I started to look at it and study it. I mean, listen to what it says. Let every soul be subject to governing authorities. What does it mean to be subject? To submit oneself to, to honor. That's not our culture today. That's, not, that's the culture of the world. Hallelujah. That, that's not what we do in the world. We don't submit to one another. Hallelujah. We don't, we don't um, submit ourselves to one another in the world. The, the thought there about let every soul be subject to the go governing authorities just isn't happening today in our society. I'm astounded and fearful every day on the, on the news and on the TV what people are doing to one another. There's no honor in our society. There's no honor in our communities, but God's called us to be people that are different. Yeah. Hallelujah to honor the authorities that God has placed in our lives. And there's a scripture up there. You can take that home, take a picture of it with your phone. But we're called to honor a, 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 number, of, a number of groups of people. Firstly, we're called to honor our civil authorities. We're called to honor our church authorities. We're called to honor our family authorities. We're called to also honor our social authorities. Listen to this thought this morning, our social authorities. God's called us to honor our bosses. What the heck? God's called us to honor our teachers. That's what the word said. Let every, every soul be subject to the authorities that God has ordained and placed in and around our lives. Hallelujah. This is not the hallelujah message, is it? Glory to God, the glory of God. The woo. But there's such, honestly, if you can get this, what a change it will bring to your life. If you get it, and you may not because your mind's going, nah, they're just not going to line up with that. But it speaks about it in those verses of Scripture there. Romans 13, 1 Timothy chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 5. It talks about the different levels of authority that God wants us to submit to, to honor. Amen. Scripture uh, that speaks to us about who to honor. In honoring the authorities in our lives, we are honoring God. Amen. Honoring the authorities in our lives, we are ultimately honoring God. 
This is what did Jesus say? He who receives him who I send receives me. He who receives me receives the Father who sent me. You get it? Your boss might be a bit of a tyrant, right? You just don't like the person. And they might not be walking with God and it's got nothing to do with that, but it's got everything to do with your attitude, your heart towards them. In fact, I would guarantee you that if you went to work tomorrow with an attitude of honor towards your boss, I think things might just change a little. You could have a teacher and you're thinking, you know, that teacher, I just, you know, just, just, just they're ugly and all that stuff you could say about them. But I guarantee you if you went to school with an attitude of honor towards your teacher, I wonder if things would change there. I wonder if they could become the vessel that God's intended them to become. Amen? You see it this morning? He who honors those that, excuse me, he who receives those that I've sent receives me. He who receives me receives the Father who has sent me. So this morning I want to end the message this morning by highlighting the importance of using a story from the Old Testament. It's the story of uh, David coming, becoming king. And we just want to look, there's some thoughts out of the Word of God this morning. But before we go to 1 Samuel chapter 24, I want to just bring a little bit of background. We see that Saul is the anointed king of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 9. We see that Saul is anointed uh, by Samuel to be the, the first king of Israel. But we see that later on he's rejected by God. God rejects him because of his disobedience. He disobeys and God says, well, no longer will you be my future king. Then in 1 Samuel chapter 16, um, Samuel anoints David, uh, the little boy, the little shepherd boy, as a future king. David gets anointed by Samuel and Samuel declares that in the future he will be king. And we see David enters the beginning of his journey to become the future king when in 1 Samuel chapter 17 he faces Goliath and shouts those famous words, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take off your head from you. Good fighting words, those. So David's on the, on the, on the page of the scripture with that David and Goliath uh, picture that takes place. And then in the next short period, just to go quite quickly, we see that David, as a result of that, starts to enjoy the favor of Saul. He starts to uh, become a part of the palace. He starts to um, enjoy all of the luxuries of being a part of the palace. And David, through a number of other battles, starts to become quite famous amongst the people. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 18, we hear people shouting this about David. It says, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. They're chanting that in the street as he's walking back into the palace. Uh, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And in 1 Samuel chapter 18, Saul gets incredibly jealous of David, so much to the point that he picks up a javelin and tries to thrust it through David. That's how jealous he gets. Saul becomes enraged with jealousy and begins a campaign to destroy David. So he goes from celebrating David and empowering David to now out of jealousy and anger and rage to wanting to destroy David. As a result of this, David has to flee and he spends the next 14 years living in a cave, living in the wilderness, and even some time in a foreign land. Think of this thought this morning. 
from age 16 to 30 years of age, he cannot go home and visit his family. He has to leave all the comforts of the palace because he's been persecuted by someone that he served so faithfully. Astounding. Think of it. 14 years. Give you a lot of time to think in a cave. Wouldn't it? Be like locked in your bedroom. You've got lots of time to think about things. Or out in the wilderness, 14 years, being persecuted. I mean, Saul would come after him. He would, he would hear that David is in a, a particular um, a wilderness area. Saul would gather his army. He would chase after him. David would escape and go somewhere else. 14 years living like that. Someone that's totally committed to wanting to kill you. I've had my wife get angry with me a few times. But I don't think, I don't think ever to the point of wanting to kill me. Might after this message. <laughs> Thanks for the drink break. Think of having someone in your life for 14 years chasing after you and wanting to kill you. How would you feel? I mean, especially from the thought that David was there serving Saul. David was there serving his vision. David was there with just a good heart. In fact, we read in parts where Saul would be tormented by evil spirits. David would come and play his harp or whatever it was. You know, Pete, you know, he'd, he'd sing. And then as a result of that, David, Saul would start to be relaxed again. I mean, David served Saul with all of his heart and he served him faithfully. Yet for now, for 14 years, Saul is totally committed to wanting to destroy him. Now think about that. Think of the thoughts of betrayal. Ever been betrayed? Don't put your hand up, but possibly you have. It's not much fun, is it? Imagine your thoughts. Think of the rejection in his heart. Think of the anger and the resentment. I helped this guy and this is my reward. You would think after all this time, the anger and the resentment would be building in David's heart towards Saul. But I want us to look at how David responds to the situation because he had every opportunity in 1 Samuel chapter 24 to take his life, but he doesn't. Listen to what the Word of God says. In verse 1, so it says this, Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told of him saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 men from Israel, that's a fair few men for one, then went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave and Saul went in to attend to his needs. He had to go to the toilet. David and his men were staying in the recesses of that cave. Then the men of David said to him, this is, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as seems good to you. David's men were using wrongly scripture to get David to act. They'd taken a scripture and they were using it now to say to David, Your time is now to get revenge. He goes on. And David arose secretly and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Remember a, a, a quote from a few weeks ago from John Bevere. Honor can be shown in action and words, but all true honor flows from the heart. Look at David's heart there 
after he cut the robe of Saul, he was troubled in his heart because he had dishonored Saul by cutting his robe. You see it there. Verse 6, And he said to the men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing that he is the anointed of the Lord. Or another word would be, he is the authority of God. David said, how could I touch the authority of God? How could I put my hand upon the Lord's anointed? Verse 7, so David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Verse 8, David also arose afterward and went out to the cave and called out to Saul saying, my Lord, the king. See the words there? This man has been chasing him for 14 years, absolutely committed to destroying him. David understood stuff that we need to understand about delegated authority. He, he understood it because look at the words there. My Lord, my King. And when Saul looked at him, listen to this, notice the honor, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. What? This guy was going to kill him. But David understands authority and rather than just being, you know, like, he bows down before the delegated authority still on Saul's life. Wow. He should have been picking up a javelin and throwing it back at him, but he wasn't. Verse 9. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of the men who say indeed, David seeks to harm you? Look this day, your eyes have seen the Lord delivered you today in my hand in the cave and someone urged me to kill you, but my eye spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord for he is the Lord's anointed. David knows God's authority, delegated authority. If I could have the band this morning, that would be great. Verse 11, it says, Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. Listen to what, it, what he says there. Moreover, my father... What the heck? Moreover, my father, he's calling Saul his father, which was a significant and huge mark of respect towards someone in the day. What? Just do your head in. 14 years, I'm going to kill you. I'm trying to think of a funny movie quote, but I can't. 14 years, my father, my father. Yes, you see the corner of your robe in my hand for that. I cut the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Now and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. I have not sinned against you. You hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you as the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. But my hand shall not be against you. David understood. After all the feelings of betrayal, David refuses to dishonor the authority of Saul, which is a delegated authority of God. David still recognizes the authority on Saul's life and knew that to harm Saul would be to dishonor God. Wow. Astounding stuff. What we learned this morning is how we treat the authorities in our lives will determine the level of God's blessing in our lives as well. David ultimately went on to become the future king of Israel. Saul received the judgment of God 
But I wonder if it would have gone differently had not David understood delegated authority in the place of authority that God releases over people's lives and as a result of that saw the authority and rather than act and respond out of his emotions and his feelings and his disappointment and his hurt, now he responds out of principle and says, even though you've done this to me, even though you've done that to me, even though you've said this about me, I still will not dishonor who God has called you to be and how God has anointed you in that role. Astounding. You may have a difficult boss. God wants you to honor them because honoring them is honoring God. You may have a difficult teacher. God wants you to honor them because honoring them is to honor God. You may have what you think are difficult parents, but God wants you to honor them because honoring them is to honor God. And you know, really just this morning, I reflected on the scriptures and some of the thoughts this morning and thought, you know, some of it's a little bit tough love, but there is such profound principles through the, through the thoughts that are being shared this morning that if we get these, it will change our lives. And the homework for this week, the homework for this week is to honor your boss. Amen. The homework for this week is to honor your teacher. The homework for this week is to honor your parents. Amen. The homework for this week is to honor your spouse. And let's just see what God will do as we commit to honoring one another. Amen. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Lord, we thank you. We pray for your word that it would speak to our hearts. We just thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to continually develop hearts of honor towards one another. And as we honor those that are in authority in and around our lives, we know that ultimately we are honoring you. So Father, we thank you today. May your blessing be poured out upon us as we live according to your will. And everybody said, Amen.